Hello and welcome to The Creative Chat, presented by the Destination Imagination Alumni Council. I'm Michael Russell. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk with alumni of the Destination Imagination Challenge Experience about how they use creativity and problem solving in their everyday life and career. We'll also explore how Destination Imagination helps shape their lives into what they are today. Destination Imagination is a global educational nonprofit dedicated to inspiring the next generation of innovators, leaders, and creative problem solvers. Through the challenge experience, students solve one of six different open-ended STEAM-based challenges that build upon the skills they learn in the classroom. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Ed Song, an eight-year alumnus from Ontario, Canada, who is now a financial advisor. Ed, welcome to the Creative Chat. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so glad you were able to come on, Ed. And um, especially someone in a financial industry, we all know that money is pretty important. It's kind of what makes the world go round. Um, But what do you do as a financial advisor? So a financial advisor is basically someone that builds, manages, and protects their money and helps them reach their financial goals. So like you said, most people, uh, they don't know much about money when they're growing up. They don't learn about it. They don't understand it. Um, they don't know how to make it. They don't know how to handle it, save, invest, protect, pay taxes, reduce taxes, and sometimes even spend it properly. So we take money for granted, and especially when we have it and can't seem to find enough of it when we need it. Um, so <laughs> financial advisors like myself, we, we help people make sense of all that, um, implement plans to try to make things happen, and make it easier. Uh, I myself, I'm an investment-focused financial planner. Um, mm-hmm. There's different types of financial planners. You know, some uh, focus in estate planning, business section, um, investments, insurance. Um, I, I like to focus on the investment side with the planning. And uh, I run my own business as part of a major financial institution. Okay, that's cool. So, on a daily basis, are you meeting with clients? Are you kind of sitting at a computer looking at the stock markets, sort of thing? Kind of, yeah. what do you? How do you structure your day? Uh, so it's a little bit of everything. Um, I think with most business owners, you you, you have a lot of hats. Uh, yeah. You're running a business, so you're kind of president of the association. You're you're also the main salesperson because you're trying to sell yourself. Um, you're also running the business. Uh, you do all the administration and all that stuff. So um, me, what I do, I guess, I try to absorb as much information as I can about current markets, economies around the world. Um, I listen to article, sorry, I listen to webcasts, read articles, mm. um, from various economists, and I try to determine where are the best areas to invest and where the greatest dangers are. And I move my clients' assets around if necessary. Um, I do spend time, uh, in front of clients, you know, reviewing their plans, keeping them up to date, uh, making adjustments when needed, or trying to get them to hire me as their advisor. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that there's a stereotype out there as well, thanks to um, big budget movies about people in the space of of helping other people with money or just doing things with money. Like you're just out there to make more money for yourself. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming that's not your real goal here. No. Uh, it's unfortunate because every industry has, you know, those few bad apples that mm-hmm. kind of ruin it for everybody else. I mean, you look at you look at today, law enforcement is a big big topic on the news mm-hmm. um 
you look at politics, which kind of is, you know, <laughs> on the fence about things. Uh, yeah, but a- any industry, uh, medicine, whatever you want to say, there's always some people that make everyone else look bad. And I would say the majority of advisors are, are good people. You know, they, they want to help. Um, they're, yes, of course, you know, they want to try to make as much money as they can. But in most cases, they do that by helping their clients make money. So um, it is a mutually beneficial, beneficial relationship. Uh, but yeah, there, there are always some people that just try to, you know, take the extra cookie. Mm-hmm. And what was it that made you want to do this as a career? So I think I was one of those kids in, when, I, when I finished high school. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know where I wanted to study. I didn't know what schools to apply for. Um, my, my parents always wanted me to become a doctor. Uh, which, you know, pretty standard wish for parents. Um, but they knew by the time I graduated high school, I wasn't really interested in the field. So I went to a few different schools, tried a few different programs, and I found out that I just wanted to know more about money. You know, schools cost money. Where is this money coming from that I'm paying for? Um, so I, I started to, like, acquire a little bit more about money. I started with accounting, um, and uh, accounting is a little for me, I, I kind of <laughs> aggregated for that. And so that's when I got introduced to finance. And finance is basically, you know, learning more about managing money and trying to make money, whereas accounting is, you know, taking what you have and trying to make sense of it, putting it into charts and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's how I got introduced to finance. And yeah, I, I started to really get interested in it. Like most people don't know anything about money. And I wanted to try to learn more. And I like helping people. So, finance, being a financial advisor seemed like a natural fit. Yeah. And I think about, I'm, I'm glad you brought up accounting. Accounting to me, it's very analytical. It seems very <laughs> straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, I think especially when you're trying to do more advisory role as a, as a financial advisor, for using the same word in your title and the, the mm-hmm. task, um, you use a lot of those kind of core skills that DI has taught us around creativity, collaboration, and critical thinking, because you need to make sense of what you're looking at and what may be the best course of action for your future, while also trying to explain that to someone, let's say like me, who has no idea what I'm really looking at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, DI, uh, their core skills have helped me tremendously. Um, let me give you an example. I'd like to talk about a few things about DI, but yeah. uh, let me start simply by saying how I acquire a new client. Okay. Um, I meet with this new person or couple, and in a typical scenario, they give me a problem to solve. They tell me this is their current situation, this is what they're looking for, and these are the issues they have for me to address. Um, I take that information, I build a plan, and I present a solution to them. And if that solution piques their interest enough, they could decide if they want me to help them implement those plans or they can instead work with my competition. Mm-hmm. So what does that sound like to you? <laughs> right? It's, yeah. uh, it, it's pretty much a, a, a mini DI financial challenge that I have to do with every prospect I meet. And I think that uh, that's actually what a lot of people end up doing in their other work. Um, you know, whether, whether it's you're going for an interview, you're, you're doing a sales pitch, you have a business proposal, I think one of the most underrated skills that people develop through DI is the ability to sell yourself and solve problems. And it's not just enough to have the best solution. You have to be able to sell it. And 
I was uh, I was learning from um, another regional director from Ontario, and he used to promote DI in a, a little bit of a unique way. Uh, he used to say, DI is a great way for kids to learn uh, the 21st century skills needed to succeed in the workplace. Yep. And he made a great presentation about these skills that he called the four C's, which is, you know, creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, but also communication. Mm. And I think uh, the first three are really well known and praised in the DI community, but communication is often overlooked. And I think it's probably the most important one when it comes to working. Um, DI gives you so much opportunity to develop these skills, and you're pretty much forced to work in a team where communication is an essential part of teamwork, mm -hmm. and you also are scored on it, <laughs> right? You have a, yep. a, a teamwork <laughs> score anytime you participate in DI. So you have to have the ability to communicate to people. You, you have to communicate to you know, a panel of judges and present you know, yourself in a viable solution. Uh, you have to communicate with your team. And you know, all of this is really an important part of any work in any industry. Um, I also think that another skill that I really learned is a fifth C, which, which is competition. Um, mm. I don't know a lot of people that really appreciate how important competition is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we're, we're growing up as kids, we use, a lot of us see ourselves as different, I think. And we, we try to, we, we don't like it. <laughs> we try yeah. to conform with everybody else. Uh, and if you look at our school systems, they tend to reward us for that, that conformity by teaching mm -hmm. us, you know, this is the one way to do things. This is, this is how you succeed. If you follow the rules and, and you follow our procedures, you, you'll, you'll do well. Um, and unfortunately that kind of kills creativity, which, you know, is mm -hmm. a big part of the eye, which is a big part of life. Um, but the, I think the one big thing schools are starting to do these days is remove competition and instead focus on participation. Um, and I think to a degree that that's a big mistake. Uh, to yeah. me, and I, I'm sure to a lot of people, life is all about competition, right? You, you have to compete to get into schools. You have to compete to get a job, compete for a promotion. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, compete even to get a, a life partner, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, I, don't, I really don't think competition should be ignored. Um, and, and competition shouldn't just be just about winning, you know? Yeah. And competition forces you to do something different. Exactly. Yeah. Because DI, D, the DI challenges are written in a broad way, but they also sometimes put you in a box on purpose to make you think of a different way to do it. Like exactly. will win you points. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's something that, that I've always liked about DI and, and, and I, you, I think competition is, is important too, like you're saying, because it, it forces you, whether you're competing against somebody else or yourself, it forces you to do as well as you think you can. And then better than that, because sure. you want to, you want to succeed. For competition sure. teaches you about success. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, I would say competition is also about losing. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us don't take losing very gracefully and don't know how to lose properly, mm -hmm. but losing is how you learn. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and the more you lose, the more you learn and, and the faster you learn. Um, and I think that not only 
matters when you're competing in school, but I think that also matters when you're working and, and trying to be successful in your career. Um, you're going to lose a lot in life. Uh, I don't know anybody that has gone through life without losing something at one point or, or even failing at something at one point. So what are you going to do? You're just going to take that loss and walk away? Or are you going to you know, learn something from that and move on? Um, and, you know, I could get examples. Uh, I remember, oh, yeah, I competed in DI for eight years. Um, most, every year I did the engineering challenge, except for one. Um, that one year, I had a friend of mine who was part of another team. He was a great structure builder. I didn't want to compete with him. So I, I, created, I joined another team and we did the technical challenge. And, you know, it was also one of the points where I learned, you know, selecting your team is a little important mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> um, but um yeah so we, we we did the challenge we had a we had a fantastic solution and it came time for, for provincials uh murphy's law came in you know mm -hmm. everything just went wrong and without getting into details we ended up last and i was devastated you know and this was a year global finals was going to be at disney world yeah, I can tell you uh, that wasn't that great that year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. there that year. It wasn't that great. <laughs> right. But come on, Disney World for a 12-year-old kid. Yeah, that's it like, was kind of cool to go. Looking yeah, back, it wasn't that, that great. But that's yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's a crushing loss, right? Most mm -hmm. people, they would suffer a loss like that. They would walk away. And and some of my teammates did. Um, but that, that was a year I would say I learned the most. And, yeah. you know, I... I I never won a globals, but every year I, I learn something, try to do better the next year. And yeah. I think that's the process. Right? It's, it's funny actually that you bring up um, the year at Disney world. Cause that was, I'm going to share my own story here. We can talk about how the, oh, yeah. you know, losing teaches you. So <laughs> this was um, for those who don't know, this was also back when, when before the split um, with DI and, and OM and uh, our, our team that year did uh, create and animate was the challenge yeah I remember. and i forget which category it was but fine arts fine arts yeah. you had to all your props needed to fit in boxes that fit in a taped area mm -hmm. on the floor and uh we competed in new hampshire uh in the winter so probably close to what it would be like for you in ontario dry winters at least for us mm -hmm. and we made our boxes out of recycled particle board and kept them in a basement unfortunately next to a dehumidifier oh my so they were like three-eighths of an inch under the space in this in the box in new hampshire and we were really fortunate we did really well and we so we got to go to uh disney world for uh what they would call worlds back then and then everything sat in a tent in the orlando summer heat <laughs> and oh <my>. swelled <laughs> to be like two-eighths of an inch over the box size um, when we went to go do our check-in and we did 30 minutes of like readjusting and trying to make it fit and doing all these sorts of different things and ended up taking a 50 point penalty. Oh, good. But the competition aspect of it there still was for me, like was we still went out and we still did our very best performance we had done the whole year. Um, and just like knocked everybody's socks off that was in the audience. Um, because we still didn't want that to define us. Right, right. Because we want, because we were competitive and we wanted to do well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's, you know, you, we made the mistake. We learned after that never to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that, 
once the mistake happens and you and you recognize maybe there's nothing you can do to fix it in that moment, you still need to go out and do the best with what's left. Right. Absolutely. And I, that's to me a lesson that I learned in my time in DI is like you roll with the punches, you make it happen. So you've still got to do your very best at the end of the day and not leave anything on the table. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, that translates yeah. into into real life too you know it's mm-hmm. it's you take those skills from di and you use it in your everyday work um i think if, if you want a work example too uh, uh when i started in this business i was probably actually no i was absolutely a terrible advisor <laughs> <laughs> I, I was i was probably the worst performing advisor in my office oh wow and it was not because I didn't have any knowledge, ability, passion, or anything like that. Uh, it was simply because I couldn't generate the same level of new business or new clients as my peers. Mm. Um, and in our industry, uh, 80% of advisors leave the business in the first year um, and another 15% in the next three. So I was told if you make it five years, you, you're pretty much guaranteed to stay into the business. Mm. Um, so that was my goal, make it five years. And my company has a system for success. So you call 20 people, you get a client, you know, find a prospect in your current network, build a business, develop centers of influence, ask referrals. You do all these things like school. You follow these rules, follow this formula, and you'll succeed. Um, so I lasted five years. Uh, in the sixth year, I realized, you know, this is not really doing it for me anymore. Um, it's not working. You need to stop this. I got to start being creative. I got to think outside the box. Um, and what a lot of people in my position do is, you know, they would give up. Uh, they would they would quit their business and join someone else's or go do something else. Um, so I, I didn't want to do that. I, I you know, spent all this time building this business. I didn't want to give up. DI taught me, you know, just keep going. No matter what happens, just keep going. So I start to think, what can I do differently? Um, where's the opportunity? Uh, the, the contract with the company that I have is known as an insurance provider. So all of our incentives all of our bonuses, all of our marketing is based around insurance. Um, so I thought to myself, well, I can care less about insurance. Um, I love investing. I, I know that investments are a key part of planning. I know more about investments than probably all the other advisors in my office combined. Um, so, and, and while I know the industry doesn't keep track, I know that my clients have made more money than clients from other advisors. So I, I, I also I, yeah, I also knew that I what I do is very different from what other advisors do for their clients. So I want to focus my business on that service and ignore what the company is telling me to do. Yeah. And you know what? I had a pretty decent year after that. <laughs> yeah. So and then I had a not so decent year, so a little setback. And I said, okay, let's make another adjustment. Um, compliance rules are coming down from the industry. They're they're just starting to take a closer look at you know the advisors that weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like mm-hmm. you said at the beginning. Um, my, I said, okay, uh, a lot of people are really frustrated with the investment side of the business. Um, they probably want to step out of it. Hey, that, that creates opportunity for me to step in. So how about I partner with some of these guys? Um, and you know, I, what did DI teach me? Select the right person. So right. It, it, it took me a year, <laughs> it took me more <laughs> than a year to find the right partner. And when I did, things just took off. Right. Yeah. So what did I learn? that the Itami, you know, it's all from the competitive aspect of the I would say, you know, you, 
you don't give up. You use your creativity and critical thinking to find solutions and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, succeed. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're obviously, um, very invested in what you do pun intended. Yes. Um, <laughs> why should someone else be interested in doing what you do? I would say I, as to why they should be interested, there's no real downside to being an expert in managing mm -hmm. money. I think money is just a huge part of our life. You can't really avoid it. I mean, people say money isn't everything, which is true, but it's also something very important. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, your, your lifestyle is dictated by how much money you can earn and how you manage it. So uh, within this business, there's so much opportunity, but it's difficult. You know, you have to be prepared for hardship. But if you put in the effort, learn to adapt, you can become very successful. Um, and I know a few years back, people were also saying that, you know, this is a bit of a dying business because robo-advisors are coming in. They're going to replace people. Um, but, it, you know, people have been saying that about other industries. And there are a lot of things that people can do that robo-advisors or, or technology can't. Um, an example would be, you know, a, a, a robo-advisor can, can never tell you that you're making a mistake and that you're not making the right choice. They'll just do whatever you tell it to do. Um, and when it comes to investing, most people don't really understand it and tend to make very bad decisions. Um, and unfortunately, it's, there's evidence out there that people that work with advisors generally have more money than people that don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, that begs the question then. Um, I'm going I'm to ask you for some quick financial advice here. How much sure. money should I invest in Dogecoin? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> cryptocurrencies is a huge topic right now, right? Um, yeah, I, I still don't. Really, I mean, I've heard it like twenty different times how it all works <laughs> and the mining and energy, and I'm like, I still just don't get it. It's just so above my head. On that. it's, it's yeah, it's a very speculative trade. Um, the thing about stocks or any 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 financial instrument is the value is what people think it's worth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's no actual evidence to show what it is actually worth. Uh, and that's the trouble with investing is that everything is kind of emotional, and, mm -hmm. and which makes it very difficult for technology to predict. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's it's a very risky trade. You could make a lot of money. You could lose a lot of money. Um, if you're not familiar with it, I would stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you all heard it here first. Don't buy any notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to um, get some flack later for this. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So um, if someone wants to um, get into the financial field, what would you advise them as kind of their first steps to see if it's something they really want to do? So I would say try to learn more about finance and economics. Um, if you can do it in school or do it on your own. I mean, you know, we, we have so much information at the tip of our fingers with the Internet. Um, it's really easy to find information on finance and economics. And if you want to start career here, um, I would probably recommend finding a junior position with an established advisor. Um, there's a there's a lot of out there, and there there a lot of them are actually looking for people to join. Um, you know, our industry is dominated by a certain demographic that's getting older, um, and they're going to be retiring soon. So they are looking for people to um, eventually take over their business or um, help them develop their business or transition their business so yeah the, i would say find an advisor that's willing to take on a junior 
Um, you can learn from them. It's so much easier to learn and build with established practice than it is to start on your own like I did. Um, and in most cases, you need a license to practice. So a lot of those major institutions can, can help you get one. Awesome. All right. Well, we've learned about your career and your time and what financial advisors do. We've learned not to invest in Dogecoin <laughs> and the importance of competition. Uh, so let's get to our instant finish. So I'm going to ask you five DI related questions about your time in DI. Um, and um, that way we can learn a little bit more about your time when you were competing for eight years in Canada. Sounds good. So first, in 10 words or less, what is your favorite DI experience? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to pick one. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably the moments where I just learn more about myself. Um, I know that sounds a little selfish, but it's, it's really cool when you discover something about yourself, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, something that somebody says, or you just realize something you, you always do. It's just clicks in your head. I, I always find that that's a really great moment when you discover more. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not egotistical. That's, um, being that self-awareness. And I think right. that's important. Right. <laughs> um, so then the, the next question is going to dive a little deeper into your answer then actually, just as a result, what's yeah. the coolest skill? you learned in oh, DI? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that I would say is for sure communication skills. Um, mm. I mean, I was a shy kid, and I think a lot of DI kids are shy kids. Uh, and they, you know, when they have to present something in school, you just you know, quietly read something off a paper in a monotone voice kind of person. Um, so, I, and, and, you know, I was never actually really good at making friends before. Uh, and DI gave me a chance to learn how to communicate, how to talk, how to make connections with people, um, especially people that are watching and listening to you. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great way to, to practice um, and force yourself to learn. Um, so, and, and that's basically what I do every day is try to make connections with people. So I think communication for sure is the coolest. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So in your opinion, what is the best material for an instant challenge? Uh, I was going to say duct tape, but... <laughs> you don't usually get duct tape at an no. instant challenge. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Actually, I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I would say paper. Yeah. Paper, simple, diverse. You know, you can do so much with it. Just a regular sheet of paper, not newspaper, yeah. just a regular sheet? Yeah, regular paper. <laughs> True. It's underrated. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Who was your biggest fan during DI? Biggest fan? Uh I never really thought of that. Um, I would probably have to say my teammates. Uh, I, there's a lot of people that come to mind, but I think my teammates are probably the biggest. Uh, they're they're the best friends that I've ever made. Some of them, um, and you know, they've always wanted to include me and encourage me to be my best self. I think I I remember the in my final year of high school, my parents wanted me to you know forget the I just focus on my studies, mm. and. Uh, my teammates showed up to my parents' business um, and they talked to them and convinced them, you know, I should oh, wow. participate in DI <laughs> for the year because they wanted me on their team. And I was, I was, you know, I got to hand it to them. They, it worked. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and they're the ones that started me on the volunteering path too, right? So yep. I, I would have to say them. I do think that's underrated in terms of 
obviously I've, I've now been a volunteer more than I've been a competitor. I yeah. believe you have as well. Yes. Um, volunteering is just as rewarding as being on a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to all you listening who aren't volunteering, you should volunteer. Um, <laughs> all right. Last question in the instant finish. Explain your DI experience using only three words. Uh, oh, I got one. Um, I'll say lose to win. Um, mm. It's a little nod to you know the comments I made earlier, but yeah. also it's the first challenge I appraised at Global Finals. Okay. So yep. it's a little bit of a full circle there. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, Ed, you've cleared the instant finish. Um, so let's say people want to either reach out to you or follow along with you in your journey. Uh, how could they do that with you? Uh, they can look me up on LinkedIn. It's Edward Song. Um, and I have a Instagram handle. I think it's at Edward Song SLF. Uh, mm -hmm. can follow me there. I'm not too active on it. But yeah, th those would be the ways to, to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, Ed, thanks so much for coming on the creative chat. And uh, we hope to, to see you at a globals and the rest of Canada again soon. Yeah, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. This has been the Creative Chat, presented by the Destination Imagination Alumni Council. This episode has been produced by me, Michael Russell. Additional help and support was provided by the dedicated members of the Council's Alumni Committee, working to engage and inspire you, the individual alum, and the alumni community as a whole to add value and growth opportunities in your post-competitive DI life. You can visit us online at destinationimagination.org. You can find us on Facebook at Destination Imagination AAP, on Instagram at DI Alumni, and on Twitter at DI underscore alumni. You can send us your questions or comments at alumnicouncil at dihq.org. For all of us at the DI Alumni Council, thanks for listening. Stay creative, and we'll see you next time.